Grace is yours, and mercy and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Still Epiphany, the season of light then, as I mentioned earlier, the whole theme for the service today is Jesus Christ is light. In fact, that's what I've called the sermon, Christ Jesus is the light. You might remember one of the most famous lights of Epiphany was the, the star that the Magi followed. Well, it's, it's commonly thought among scholars, I'm not a scholar, I'm a teacher and a preacher, but for those people who actually know things, uh, it's commonly thought that one of the reasons that they came seeking Jesus when they did, why the Magi left their land and followed that star, was because of the prediction of one of the most famous wise men who had lived in their land. They came and said, we followed his star since its rising and have come to worship him. And it's probable that they were working with the prophecy of Balaam, the seer, who said, I see him, but not yet. I behold him, but he is not near. A star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, Balaam was a huge deal. He was a celebrity in his time and in his land. Secular records prove to us that he was remembered as having special abilities, even centuries after he died. He's also mentioned in half a dozen books of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New. So it's not unreasonable to think that wise men could have been following his direction when they came to interpret the story of the stars. In fact, Balaam's story fills three whole chapters in the fourth book of the Bible, the one that we call Numbers, but in Hebrew is called In the Wilderness. Balaam was so respected that one day a king who thought he had no other recourse sent a messenger hundreds of miles to pay Balaam to come and speak a few powerful words. Balaam is a man who talked with God and who was visited by the angel of the Lord. And Balaam tried to do what God had told him to do, but He's most famous to us for being the only person in the Bible to lose an intellectual argument with a donkey. More on that later. But Balaam's true significance lies in the blessings that he spoke upon the children of Israel during their wilderness wanderings. He prophesied the rise of the house of David the house, and the light in David's sky, of course, is Jesus. Jesus came that he might be the son of righteousness who would rise with healing in his wings. 
Isaiah foretold the day would come when the people walking in darkness will have seen a great light for those living in the land of the shadow of death. Light has dawned. And the Gospel according to St. John introduces Jesus as the light of the world who has overcome the darkness. And in our psalm today, we began by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when baby Jesus was brought to the temple, presented in the temple, you might remember that Simeon came and took the baby in his arms and said, called him the light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. Now back to Balaam, who was far from being part of the people of Israel. In fact, he had been hired to curse them to use his renowned connections with all the gods of the lands, to weaken Israel, or at least to slow them down, maybe even to doom them to oblivion as they made their way across the wilderness to the land that they had been promised. Neither Balaam the seer nor Balak, the king of Moab, who paid to have him deliver these curses that he never did get around to delivering, Neither one of them wanted to confront these people directly. Who could blame them? It was well known that they had defeated the only superpower of the day, Egypt. It was known that, that the Red Sea had simply opened before them, and when all of them were safely across, it had closed behind them. Not in the land of their God, but in the land of the gods of Egypt, this had happened. And since then, since Israel, since Israel had defeated and humiliated Egypt, king after king had tried to rise up against them, brought armies out against them, and city after city, kingdom after kingdom fell. And all those kings were dead who had opposed the children of Israel. And their countries were in chaos, leaderless, humiliated. It's a fulfillment of what God had said to their ancestor Abraham. I will bless you and make you a blessing and everyone who blesses you I will bless but everyone who curses you will be accursed. And as ominous as those words sounded something had to be done about these people. Perhaps the gods of the lands they were traveling through could all gang up on the, the one traveling god and maybe there'd be a chance. So as the Israelites approached, the king of Moab called for Balaam to curse them. Depending on Balaam's reputation, that those he blessed were truly blessed and those he cursed stayed cursed. So they came to Balaam and they said, we'll give you a princely sum if you come and do this. 
And he said, yeah, I have to think about it. I've got to talk with the gods about it. So they, he sent them away, and that night, almost certainly to his surprise, the true God showed up in his bedroom and spoke to him and warned him that if he would curse God's people, Balaam would die. So the next morning, the king's messengers came, and Balaam sent them away with his regrets. Yeah, that's not a job I'm going to take. So they go back to Balak, the king, and Balak says, offer him five times the money. Balaam thinks about it for just a moment, and he says, if you would fill your palace with silver to the top of the ceiling and give it to me for doing this, I am not going to go against the word of Yahweh. And after that had been delivered, then God comes and says, okay, now that they know that you're going to do what I tell you to do, and say what I tell you to say, now you can go with them. But make sure you do that. Do what I tell you to do. Say what I give you to say. And so on their way down to where the Israelites are camped, the angel of the Lord appears in the roadway brandishing a sword. Now, it's commonly thought especially amongst theologians, that whenever Scripture talks about the angel of the Lord, especially at pivot points in the covenant, you know, crucial times in the covenant, when the angel of the Lord shows up, it's probably the pre-incarnate Christ. It's probably Jesus before he was born in the flesh. So, because how do we say that? Because he accepts worship. None of the angels do that. Not only that, but like when he's talking to Moses, he automatically switches from talking about himself as being the angel of the Lord to speaking as God himself. So the angel of the Lord shows up, Jesus with a sword. We don't have a single stained window like that, huh? I wouldn't want a stained glass window like that. But Jesus shows up. And we don't know if he's there to protect Balaam or to judge Balaam or just to make sure that Balaam does what God had told him to do. But the, the thing is, Balaam doesn't see him. He's standing right in the middle of the road holding his sword out and Balaam doesn't see him. And none of the soldiers who are accompanying Balaam or any of Balaam's servants, it's a huge crowd of people, none of them see the angel of the Lord standing there with a sword. But you know who does? The donkey. And the donkey thinks, yeah, I don't want any part in this. And so the donkey just trots off into a field and just stands there waiting for the big scary guy with the sword to go by. Well, Balaam doesn't know what's going on. And so he gets off and he pulls on the donkey and he yells at the donkey and he ends up beating the donkey until the donkey goes around the angel of the Lord and gets back on the road. And wouldn't you know it, right away, the angel of the Lord shows up again. 
This time, it's at a very narrow bend where there's a wall on each side of the road. And the donkey tries to go around the scary angel guy. And when he does that, he scrapes Balaam's bare shin against the entire wall as they're going along. You can guess how excited Balaam is about that. He jumps off that donkey and he starts beating the donkey again. Get back on that donkey. They go a little bit further and now there's another area, no bend in the road, but a place where the road narrows and the donkey sees the angel of the Lord and just stops. And Balaam gets off the donkey and he starts beating it savagely. And that's when God opens the donkey's mouth. Have you ever wanted to know what an animal was thinking? My wife and I were caregivers for two comfort dogs back there in Joplin for 10 years. And we always looked at their eager faces. Golden Retrievers are pretty intelligent and friendly dogs. But we always wondered, what were they thinking? Now, my favorite cartoon about this is one where a scientist says, I have found something, a collar that I can put on the dogs that will allow us to understand what they say in English. And so he puts the collar on the dog, the dog's going, woo, woo, woo. So he puts the collar on and the dog says, hey, hey, hey. And that's it. Anyway, that's my favorite cartoon about it. But we used to actually make up little sayings that the dogs were, were speaking, you know, and, and I know it's not just dog people who do this. Uh, one of our teachers back in Joplin did this all the time for both of her cats. She especially wouldn't see the cats looking at each other, and she'd come up with the dialogue for, for both of them. But you know what? It's something we made up. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what the animals are really thinking? Well, Balaam finds out. Because the donkey says, what in the world have I done that you would beat me these three times? And Balaam by this time is angry enough that he doesn't stop and think, how come a donkey is talking to me? Instead, he starts arguing with the donkey and he actually answers her. He says, because you're making me look like a fool in front of all these nice people who want to give me so much money. You're lucky. If I had a sword, I'd kill you right here. And the donkey speaks again, and she says, you might want to stop and think, have I ever done this to you before? And Balaam realizes he's been beaten in argument by a donkey because he has to say no. But before the argument can go any further, the Lord God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel of the Lord standing there, sword still in hand. And he hears the voice of the Lord say, I'm with you. 
but just make sure that you do what I told you to do and say what I send you to say. Now, we have no idea what the servants and the soldiers think about this heated exchange. We don't know if they actually heard the donkey speak or if they just heard Balaam talking. But either way, maybe they just figured, you know, he's a mystical guy. Maybe this kind of stuff happens. Regardless, the man who is so sensitive about looking foolish has lost an argument with his beast of burden. Balaam sets off again on the journey. And I suspect that he kept looking around him to see if the angel of the Lord was going to show up anywhere along the journey. And I would be willing to bet that for the rest of that donkey's life, Balaam never looked at her the same way again. And when he meets the king of Moab, Balaam delivers, instead of a curse, he delivers three rounds of blessing on the people of Israel. Blessings the Lord himself had put into Balaam's mouth, the greatest of which we started the sermon with. I see him, but not yet. I behold him, but he's not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Now it's sometimes said that we shouldn't include a donkey in our Christmas scene since there's no mention of Mary riding a donkey into Bethlehem. But you see, there is a donkey in the Christmas story and a talking one at that. The donkey was part of delivering this blessing that would ring through the ages and be fulfilled in your Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a donkey in the story and there's also a God who cares for his children and even for the beasts of the earth. All creation groans until the Son of God returns in glory to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. He's already freed us from our sins. And one day he will free us from this sinful, suffering world where our vanities and our insecurities can lead us to be cruel to God's creation and even to God's children. Even when we can hear the very voice of God, we sometimes wander from his ways. For that's certainly what happened to Balaam. All the way there, he was trying to figure out how he could have it both ways. How he can adhere to God's command and still please the king who was giving him this incredible amount of money. But life doesn't end well for Balaam. Years later, he takes another commission 
from the enemies of God, which led the Israelites to put him to the sword. But sadly, not before the damage was done. Well, what did he do that was so bad? Both the Old and the New Testament tell us Balaam taught the people of the land that Israel could not be conquered while God fought for them and that God would never leave them. So what he had to do to defeat the people of Israel was to get Israel to walk away from God. Subtly, if possible. Lead them to think that they too could have things both ways. That they could adopt foreign religions without offending their God. That they could keep up a form of worship of the Lord while being at peace with pagan ways. And that they would judge whether they were in trouble or not by the fact that the culture found them more and more comfortable. They thought they could just blend into the darkness rather than stand in the light. The Israelites Israelites forgot that their God is a jealous God and thought that he wouldn't mind if they moved other lovers into the household. May it never be so among the people who call their gathering by the name of their beautiful Savior. The star long promised has risen. He's born not only as King of the Jews, but King of kings and Lord of lords. He came to us as a baby and grew to share with us and reveal to us the very voice of God. And he will one day stand as our judge. He was sacrificed for our sins and risen from the dead has once again taken his rightful place at the right hand of God and will continue to reign as king of kings until the day of his return. God grant that we walk always in his light, rejoicing in his gifts faithful to his covenant. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen. Would you join me in a confession of faith? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.